Hello and welcome to another episode of Not Too Deep. I'm your host, Grace Helbig. I am so excited for you to enjoy this episode of Not Too Deep as much as I enjoyed recording it. We have comedian and all-around sweet, magical lady Arden Marine with us today. You might know her from Mad TV. You might know her from her hit podcast, Will You Accept This Rose, covering The Bachelor, Bachelorette. Oh, we had just the most delightful conversation. I'm still buzzing from it. Uh, She's got a brand new book out called Little Miss Little Compton, which is her memoir based on where she was raised, Little Compton. And we just talked about everything. We talked about our shared experience being uh, interns on Conan O'Brien's show. We talked about the being females in comedy. We talked all about the highs, lows, ins and outs of the Bachelor Bachelorette. And she gave me some... some information about some former contestants that blew my mind and will um, probably blow yours. So please, please, please enjoy this episode of Not Too Deep with Arden Marine. And please, I'm like out of breath because I was laughing so hard the entire episode. Please go get her new book, her memoir, Little, Little Miss Little Compton. Um, she's just so lovely. So enjoy this episode of Not Too Deep. Arden, hydrating and here. I love it. Hi, girl. Hi. Thank you for being here. Also, I've just learned your last name is pronounced Marine. It is pronounced Marine and it does not look like Marine and it's probably a bastard. Oh, no, my my headphone unplugged. It's probably a bastardized version of the name. Allegedly, <laughs> apparently it's like a Swedish name, but my brother went to Sweden. And he's like, that's we don't really know, but that's what it's yeah. Marine. <laughs> Marine, okay, good to know. I want to make sure that I'm pronouncing it correctly. Um, I'm so excited that you're here. I have a million questions for you and your life and your world and everything that you're up to. Um, But I want to talk about, obviously, your book, which I have right here. So exciting. Thank you. Now, this is a memoir. Yes. And... Why? One thing I, I'm always curious about with writing memoirs, what was the reason to write it now or when you did? You know, it's such an interesting... I tried to sell versions of this like for like eight or nine years. Mm-hmm. The first time somebody wow. approached me and I actually sold a version of this and then like the whole like company, like it didn't all work out. Like, okay. But... but um, you know, it's, I actually believe it's, you know, and of course over the years you get frustrated and I, I just assumed it was never going to happen. And I actually believe the timing, I think this is the right version and the right draft. And this was, it all worked out perfectly. Cause I remember another book agent approached me two summers ago and he was like, I want to take out a proposal with you. And I, at that point I was so discouraged and kind of like, I didn't want to get my hopes up again. I didn't want to be the girl at the dance that didn't get asked to dance, you know? Well, yeah, that, and because it's such a personal thing that it's yeah. not like if you write it once and it doesn't go the way you want it, you can just write it again. Like yeah. this is like a, a very unique yeah. thing. And I, and I honestly just thought, you know, I have a very unique family. My parents mm-hmm. married on a dare. They weren't dating. They were coworkers. They were trying to get ex. Basically, you got two weeks vacation. Everybody, um, they'd never gone on one date. They lived wow. in Manhattan. They were all. Everybody was out having cocktails on New Year's Eve, and they were trying to figure out um, how to get the maximum vacation time. And somebody figured out <laughs> that if you went on a honeymoon, you got an extra two weeks. And so my dad dared my mom to get married. He was like, I'll take us down to South America for, I'll pay for a four week honeymoon and then we can come back and we can get it annulled. And she agreed to the dare. They looked for a Bible to swear on. They couldn't find a Bible. (laughs) So they swore on a cookbook. And then the next day she called him back and she upped the ante and she said, I'll, I will marry you, but I don't want to get it annulled. And then they, they were married till the end. They stayed married for 50 years. And then wow. they moved from Manhattan to this tiny, tiny town in Rhode Island called Little Compton. Thus the title, Little Miss Little Compton is I'm from this town of like 3000 oh. people called Little Compton, which is wow. the tiniest town on earth. And um, so it sort of starts there. So whenever I talked about my family and, and the town when, you know, doing monologues at ASCAT or something like that, people were always very curious. I had a very odd family in this sort of odd town. And 
So I thought it would be a good book. But then when this when this book agent came, Sarah Colonna and Guy Branham's book agent was like, I want to take out a proposal. And I was like, ugh, all right. Like then I thought, okay, because it's so much work to put together a book proposal. And I thought, okay, yeah. well, who, who am I now? Like, why would I want to do this now? Like, mm-hmm. what's the question of this? And I realized part of growing up in a house that was, my friend says that this reads, she said it should be called funning with scissors. Like it's like a fun <laughs> version of running with scissors. Like it was crazy. <laughs> and that there was so much magic that I got from it. But that it was also like, I did not learn certain life. I didn't know how to do life. And yeah. so I wanted to, I, I was like, okay, I, I wanted to write a book for like the younger version of myself that was sort of like, here's everything I wish I knew at 21. Like, here's everything I wish I knew and that it's going to be okay. And you can figure it out, even though you feel like you don't know what you're doing. And it's okay if you didn't have the perfect fantasy family. And it's okay if maybe you had some people working against you, like that you can be okay, even if, even if it wasn't sort of this idyllic upbringing. I think that's beautiful because like me, you grew up without the internet. So you're in this small town, you only have your parents that are telling you this is how the world works or this is, this is what we're doing. And so you think that's so normal and everyone else is doing the same thing. So it must've been wild to share stories with people growing up and then hear that like, no, that's not what everyone did all the I, time. <laughs> I mean, truly, how big was the town that you grew up in? I grew up in South Jersey. So uh, the town that I grew up in was like one square mile. It was very South yes. Jersey bleak. It's exactly like, uh, you know, strip malls everywhere, like exactly what you would imagine yeah. it being. Yeah. Um, so a little similar, but at least we had the proximity to like New York City and Philadelphia. So there Did were opportunities. Because I knew a lot of my cousins and stuff in Long Island, like they were close to New York, but they never went. Did you yeah, guys know? Did I, you grow up? I grew up technically like across the bridge into New Jersey from Philadelphia. And I think I went twice in my entire like adolescent life. But I went to college in northern New Jersey and then moved to New York City after that. And that was like my big I'm getting out of this small town thing. Did did you always want to get out? Mm hmm. Yeah, I had. um, Yeah, the the color palette was always very dull for me, like metaphorically and like figuratively and literally speaking. And so I was like, I just got it. This can't be it. There has to be something else. You know, it was interesting just in, you know, chatting with people about the book. Mike Kaplan, the comic, he has a podcast Mm -hmm. and and he was pointing out how so my parents you know, I was aware of New York because they were from there, but Mm -hmm. my mom wanted my brother and I to be able to entertain ourselves. And so how there was literally no stores, there was no stoplights. There was a general store. Their only coffee shop is like in a barn in an apple orchard. And so, (laughs) and so like my favorite thing, like I wanted to get out of there from the time I was like, you know, but, but that I would love to like play store and play. And he's like, you know, that her plan actually worked because none of that was there. You had to pretend Mm. you had to actually make it up as you went along. Yeah. Um, yeah. Your mom was working with your imagination very young. Yeah. And yeah. And that she thought she didn't want us to be overprogrammed. She didn't want to, you know, so it was an interesting, um, you know, I looked like a boy till I was like 15. (laughs) It was just an interesting thing. And then to, I moved to New York and I got out of there. I lived in Chicago when I was 19 and I just never went home. And, um, it was an interesting thing just to realize I had no, I knew how to be ambitious, but I had no idea how to have like a relationship. I had no idea how to do sort of the, I knew how to sort of shoot big career wise, but I had no clue how to do the rest of adulthood. Right. I know where the goal is. I don't know any of the steps in between to get me to that goal. (laughs) Yeah. Like, or like, what do people do on Sundays? Like, I don't know how, what does anybody like, how do, how do you people like, how how does anybody set up like a balanced life? And like, yeah, not ruin it. How do you set up like a happy, balanced life? Well, what was it like for you when you first? So Chicago was the first place that you moved to outside of Little Compton. Yeah, I mean, I, I was in college for a little bit in Colorado, and okay. I, mean, I was just ready to go. I, I, I mean, so I was so happy to be there. I started doing improv. I had to get a fake ID because it was in a bar, and <laughs> so in order to perform, I had to say I was twenty-one. And wow. It was amazing because I felt like, I don't know if you experienced this when you got to New York, but it was sort of for the first time I felt like I'd found my people. Yeah. 
it was interesting because it was like thrilling and one of the most fun years of my life there, but it was also mostly guys. Like there mm. really were not that many women performing and, mm-hmm. and I, and I wanted to please them so bad. Like I knew I wasn't going to thrive in that. I was so much younger and I just mm-hmm. didn't see that many women. And I, did you know that at the time? Because I had a similar experience. Like I moved to New York after I graduated college. I was probably 21 or 22. Yeah. And it wasn't until people started asking me, like, what is it like being a female in comedy that I really like put the pieces together that I guess I like unconsciously unconscious, like felt, but never was able to kind of make the light bulb go off for myself. Did you know that at the time or was it more in like reflecting that you realized that? <laughs> Well, it's interesting that you say that because I I also went there, you know, I'd always I'd written plays through high school. I'd mm-hmm. like and I'd never heard the phrase. I'd never heard any, you know, anything about women being funny or not, like mm-hmm. until I started doing comedy. And then all of a sudden, you know, so many women I knew were funny. All my childhood mm-hmm. friends in my small town, like kids are funny, you know, yeah. so <laughs> Nobody, nobody told me that I was odd for a a female. And then, Mm -hmm. but I remember when I got to Chicago, it was the first time, even though it was the most magical thing, it was also the first time people said to my face, like, well, women aren't funny. And I eat like, and it was in the comedy world. And I thought, what? Like, I'd never heard that. Right. And then you're like, is that a joke? I don't know how to take this. Yeah. I I actually found like, I don't keep most of my journals I shred, but I found like an old diary and I could see myself almost trying to thread the needle to make some of it okay. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? Trying to make these because I I adored them and I adored being there and I could see myself trying to like figure out how this stuff that wouldn't, I don't think they could say today, you know, back in the day, like, it was the first time I felt somebody really snuffing. Like I'd, I'd never been aware of my gender that much. Yeah, I think that same that I it was really put upon me to think about myself as a female in this world because that was to others some f- form of handicap that I didn't even yes. realize was something we discerned in the comedy world, let yeah. alone this was a weakness. It's interesting. Like it, just hearing you say that, like it, it's a, it yeah, kind of... It makes me sad for my younger self, you know, like, (laughs) well, it's also interesting. There's part of me that's um, like, I guess, happy that I didn't go into that world thinking that I had to wear this like armor and like prove myself as a female, but also wild that similar experience that you are forced to try to make sense of that for yourself without it being something you discover for yourself. Yeah, I, it's it, and when I think back, I I did know instinctively, oh, I don't see like my path to success here or like mm-hmm. I don't see I don't see how I I knew enough. My like one of the gifts my mom gave me was always like protect your magic, protect what to mm-hmm. protect what is unique about you, protect your magic, guard it. That's beautiful. Yeah. And and like. And there was something where it exposed me to like the talent and what people were doing and, and also going, okay, I'm probably not going to thrive in this particular environment. And, Mm. and I, I, I need to, I need to get myself out of here. And then I went to New York and, but how sad, because I think if there was another Hmm. guy there that was 19, it was a guy, there was two of us. And like, Mm -hmm. he thrived there, you know what I mean? And people treated him like the wonderkind because he was like the guy and there was a path to success, you know? So it's an interesting thing. Um, You know, I mean, it is, yeah. It is, but the cool thing and to tie it into your book and like what you said earlier is sharing that memory for younger women that might not even know they're experiencing that right now. Or I mean, now, you know, years and years later, I think there is more awareness around all of that now. But even at a time when, you know, not long ago that you don't even realize until you start to unpack all your shit that you're like, oh my God, this was pretty in my face. And I was just so happy go lucky and wanting to like, please and do well and try to succeed that I couldn't even see this right in front of me necessarily. And there was nothing you could do about it. Mm -hmm. It was like, even if you were there, even like, even if you saw it, there was no like, come over here, this exists. You can come play here. Like, like it was, you know, and yet what's, I guess I will say, 
I'm, I, I look back on so many young ladies that did go through and thrive and to see like how resilient and like yeah. learning to pivot and find your people and, you know, yeah. Like just go, okay, that, that, that pathway is a little bit blocked. Like where, where can I go? Where, where, who's, who's my ally? What feels safe? Like who's, who can I make things with? Things like yeah. that. So when you moved to New York, did you feel like you found a better group, a better situation there? I think it was me. It was almost between me and myself, you know, like mm-hmm. there was something about, um, I could feel in Chicago that there was also within me this desperate need to please them and like to have them think I was good and have them validate it. And there was mm-hmm. something like, no, you have to be the one. You have to like, just, you're the one that has to say good job. <laughs> you know, it doesn't yeah. have to be somebody outside of you. So I went to New York, I started, I got an internship at Conan and then I started doing stand up at night and like, I was an elf at Macy's Santa Land. I was waitressing. Ah. I was like nannying, you know, food delivery, That's, everything. And um, I, I also had an internship at Conan. Did you? In okay. York. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what was your internship? My internship was just a general internship. It was when I was in college. So I was like taking the train in from Jersey like two or three days a week and just sitting in that conference room. Yeah. And just sitting in that conference room waiting for them to say that like someone needs to go to Whole Foods and get Conan three apples and make sure they're not bruised and bring them back. So you're like waiting for Jeff Ross to be like, go get him some apples. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. You know, I, I remember I was on really early when all the good interns went to Letterman. And so the, oh, yeah. the upshot of it was if you were kind of competent, you could get some responsibility. Like, it was truly like the show that it wasn't cool. And um, so I was, I was the, I was there five days a week getting college credit. Wow. And it was, um, I was assisting the script coordinator, which was good because it got mm. me down on the floor and yeah, then I got yeah. in the control room during the shows. But uh, yeah, it was interesting to see the nuts and bolts of like of an actual to be on the other side of television production, and yeah, like, which I think helps you as a performer to sort of have respect for like how does a show get built. And I had no connections. Like it's the the first people I met. Like I didn't know anybody in TV and that sort of the casting director helped me. Like I got another internship for another casting director, which helped me get an agent. Like it was just getting accessed inside like Oz. Yeah, no, it was, I remember they had, they take your photo on like a Polaroid camera and they write your name under it and they put it on this cork board so that everyone can try to refer to the interns by name instead of as like, sheep that are being herded in this conference room. And you look through the alumni of all these interns that had gone on to work on The Office and all of these shows. That was so wild. But then you see how not glamorous the day in day out of the actual showmaking was that it was such a juxtaposition every time I was there that I was like, okay, I don't know that I'm processing this enough in real time, but later I'll be able to look back on this experience and kind of see how it is. Because I was so scared. I was so nervous. I was like... It was terrifying being in that... Did you ever get sent? Like sometimes when the copier... Because I was so changed to the copier. Sometimes (laughs) I would get sent... There would be like elevators that went to like half floors. It felt like being John Malkovich. There was like yeah. weird internal. So you have this sort of beautiful 30 Rock. You've got the Rainbow <laughs> Room, like the Tonight Show stage. And then in the bowels of hell, there's yeah. these like elevators that go to like half floors. And then you go find some man that's like still smoking inside. Yeah, like yeah. Hugsucker Proxy. Like they have not seen light. There's You're so deep in the bowels of the building to find some guy that runs like the engineering. Deb- it feels like you're in a bar and you're in the bowels of hell. And then you go down for your like $2 Sbarro meal. Like I'm I'm sure the... Yeah, it was so wild. And yeah, I was so scared and so nervous that I was like, I didn't make an impression on absolutely anyone here because I was just so worried about doing a bad job, even though there was hardly anything to do because there were so many interns and such little like busy work at the time. Uh, but it was, I was glad for the experience. Did you do the page program there? No, the, the page people feel fully like the Tracy Flick from election. Yeah, like, yes. the page, I was not together <laughs> enough to be doing the page program. Although I do remember going 
to a page party. Somehow I got invited to a page party. I'm really bad at pot. Like I get so high. And I remember yeah. getting so high at a page party. Like somebody's <laughs> flying. I think it was Jason Nash. Who, like <laughs> really? I think Jason Nash was a page. Wow. I, I went to Jason Nash's house and got <gasps> so high at a page party that I was uh. like, almost paralyzed <laughs> at a page party fully like somebody to get me home because I was like it was like uh, kryptonite like I couldn't move I was flying flying that yeah, sounds they always right. those stupid neckerchiefs and yeah. like, <laughs> the most like unfuckable outfit in yeah. there like, truly, it's like I'd rather wear a UPS outfit like, I know they're just walking starch that's yeah, all it's it like is nylons. you have to wear like thick almost like hooters pantyhose but then they uh, like, there's nothing sexy it's like thick nylons and uh, yeah, it's, I'm no, glad the pages, you. The pages were too uptight. I'm glad you had that same experience because it's like something that I buried very deep uh, after I experienced it because I was like so embarrassed that I might have done a bad job. And sometimes I reflect on it. I'm like, oh yeah, that happened. Okay. Isn't it weird when I have experiences like that when I look back on them and when I remember that the, like the entire wave over my body is just shame. Yeah. And I don't yeah. know why. I don't know why. I don't know why I feel so ashamed. But just like, I know. just like. Just like I want to like dig a hole in my yard, hide uh, in it, cover it with leaves and just like for shame, like hide yourself in your shame hole. Of, like, and the reality is no one there remembers me at all. But I'm like, I was awful. I must have oh, been terrible. I think the only reason I made any impression was because I was literally like week seven. Like it was mm. it was so early on. And I, I mean... It was the, there was like three interns that were on it and the rest were so terrible that we were basically like unpaid, like employees. We were just around, we were the only ones they wanted doing anything. So we were just there. I remember I got paid a bag of, I got like $13 a week. Wow. Woman who doesn't work there anymore, but she would like, she was not my boss. I loved my boss. There was, she was a few steps up. She would call the office every morning. She'd be like, can you get in the commissary? <laughs> egg sandwich and a car. So like I made $13 a week. She would have me go in the morning and like buy her stupid fucking breakfast. And I'd Which leave cost her desk, $13. And she wouldn't reimburse me. And I didn't know what to do. And I'm like, be mindful. Like rich lady. Yeah. Like, just be aware. It may not be a lot of $3, $14. It may not be much money for you. This is literally my food. Mo- this is my common <laughs> money for the week, you asshole. Like, and I, and as I don't have, I'm too much of a people pleaser to ask for it back. But like, yeah. I just didn't want to pick up the phone when it rang because I knew she'd be asking me to spend the only money I had oh. on her stupid breakfast. Oh, that's so great. Oh yeah. my gosh. Okay. We have to take a quick break. When we get Got back, um, I want to talk about uh, will you accept this rose? Yes. I have so many questions, so we'll be right back with more Not Too Deep. Hi, friends. Grace Helbig here from the podcast Not Too Deep, which you are currently listening to, hosted by me, Grace Helbig. Just wanted to say a couple of things. One, Thank you so much for listening. And two, if you are enjoying yourself to such a degree that you'd love to leave us a um, review on the Apple Store, that would be so appreciated because, again, you are very appreciated for giving us your time, your ears, your attention, whatever it may be. Uh, And that was my couple of things. Now back to me, me. It's so hard to get started. I know. Here's anybody listening. Just keep going. Just put one foot in the front of the other. It is so hard to get started. Just keep going and just know that everybody's been there and just make some stuff on the side with your friends, but just keep going and just know it. Everybody at some point in time had to start. Like it's easier to stay in momentum. It keeps going once you're going, but like just have the faith and just keep putting right foot, left foot. It's okay if you need to dig a hole in your yard and and hide in your (laughs) shame hole. That's fine. I still get shame holes, you know, (laughs) going, just keep going. It's, it's, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And the thing, the thing that I'm still trying to accept is that as much as you think people are observing you and like judging you, 
everyone's in their own head thinking about their own performance, their own world, their own lunch, their own everything that as much as you think that this minor fuck up or thing gets noticed by everyone, it does not. It's hard when you're around a bunch of strivers though. Yeah, like, yeah, people, yeah. I feel like that was my entire time at Mad TV. Like I feel like, oh yeah. I like, well, I feel like I'd only ever been like a comedic actress where it's like, mm-hmm. I play Molly, you play Sarah, we can be friends because you play Sarah and I play Molly. We don't yeah. know. There was something about Mad TV where it was like, I, it was like all the difficulties of Saturday Night Live with none of the Vanity Fair covers. <laughs> well, that's, I was asking, or I wanted to ask you about that experience because I don't think anyone, like, unless you actually work or experience what it's like to be hired on that kind of show, can never really try to relate to what it's like. I think for me, I think yeah. unless you're like the chosen one. <laughs> I'm sure even the chosen ones have their journey. You know what I mean? I'm sure yeah. McKinnon has a hard ride here or there. Like, I'm sure it was not easy in the beginning for her. Like, I think for the people that are sort of not the picked, not the not the cover girl on Vanity <laughs> okay. it's hard because you're entering into a pre-existing machine mm-hmm. and you're, com- and so there's, you know, there's like, say there's 10 slots for sketches a week. And then like five of them are going to recurring characters that have been going on for many, many years long before you got there. And then like two or three of them are going to like the celebrity guest. So there's like two or three spots left and you're reading like 85 sketches, (laughs) you know, and you're, and so it, it, it's really, you know, and maybe you have a good week, but then the next week you got to pitch again. And like, like it, it was the emotional roller coaster. seems like you really have to have some ability to ground yourself here and there. Kevin Nealon, I knew, and he was so sweet. He took me out for, he he and his wife took me out for lunch when I booked it. And he Mm -hmm. was like, look, because he'd been on Saturday Night Live so long. And he was like, look, you've, it's a marathon. This is not, he's like the people that freak out and can't handle, he's like, you're going to have some weeks where you don't really have any sketches. You're going to have some weeks where you, where you think your sketch is going to go great. And it's going to bomb in front of the audience. He's like, if you cannot reset from week to week and just give yourself a fresh start week to week and just get like you have always the good and the bad news is you always have a fresh chance on Monday, you know, Mm. but like if you get in your head, and you lose your mojo and you get spooked like you can't you like it's almost like an ongoing pilot season that never yeah. ends, that never ends that's and, like but, and the thing is technically you have the job already but you have not the, really but you have the job but you're auditioning for three spots every week that that either you're writing or somebody and you're competing against your friends and like yeah. it um the fun a, of it, the fun of it was fun. Like the writers were so great. Like so much, so much of the cast was great. Like it was, it, I'm not somebody that loves competition. I yeah. like, I, I, I like to, I like improv. I like to play with other people. Right. I like, I like to be like allies and collaborators. Yeah. yeah. I like other, I like to play with other people. Yeah. And some people really thrive. Like I wasn't like a sports gal that was like, I'm going to win, you know, like Mm -mm. so that it was not the best environment for me. It sounds, um, (laughs) yeah, I, I auditioned for SNL and it, I, (laughs) yeah, I like, did you do that thing? Did you do that? Like it was all, that was all go to 30 rock and sit in a dressing room for a question mark number of hours. And then maybe, yeah, it was, um, wildly taxing on my anxiety and I did breathe a sigh of relief when I found out I didn't get it because in my mind in my mind I was like if there's any weird off chance that someone liked me in this audition which I doubt but if they do I am not going to be able to sustain uh like a mental energy or a mental stamina to be able to survive in that kind of environment (laughs) like I'm not bred for that I can't I get too overwhelmed. I knew. So I, I had the same feeling. I knew I tested. I had not at the time when I tested, I had not done like groundlings. I had not done seconds. I didn't have like a stable of characters. So I like just made a tape in my living room and then got flown to New York. So they'd never been performed in public. Like I'd never done these in public. I just (laughs) done them on my tape in my living room. So it's not like I had like years. It wasn't like a well honed. Like I know 
I know the crowd loves this. (laughs) No, me either. I had a terrible Taylor Swift impression that made no sense and didn't sound like her at all. And I can't sing. And then a a Jersey girl that I did in a video for the internet one time that was awful. And so it's like, if you like this, sure. I And I remember like, I, at the time, I had a very sweet manager who had a terrible bedside manner, like with women, <laughs> like a nice, big hearted guy. Yeah. Who, so I flew to New York. There was four women testing. Oh. Me, Amy Poehler, <laughs> and two other women. Wow. And, like, and I, by the way, I knew it was Amy's year. I am a... I love Amy. Like she should have gotten it and she did get it. Like I I remember my manager the morning, but I was still like, oh my God, like, okay, I'm in the final four. Like I've got a 25% chance. He called me and he goes on the way to the audition. He goes, break a leg, kiddo. I mean, they already offered it to Amy, but who knows? (laughs) Maybe, maybe the money's not going to work out. And I'm like, why did you tell me why before I, before I audition? Like, can you? They paid to fly me here. They put me up at their weird hotel. Like, can't you just like, like, why did you tell me that right as I'm going (laughs) up in the elevator at 30 Rock? Like, and then that's awful. And then I remember auditioning, but I didn't hear for like a month, I guess, because her contract was being negotiated. (laughs) And like, these reflections. Yes. And I remember like praying that I didn't get it. Yeah. And I actually booked Mad TV that year and I said no because wow. I I because I knew I couldn't handle it. Like it was sort of so th- and then and then I actually took 4 years and I went through IO and I went through like I got my my insides I did like yeah. therapy and I did a lot of like live performing and mm-hmm. Because I knew for myself, both my own insecurity and my lack of like my 10,000 hours performing in public with that, I thought, okay, I booked it once. Let me actually go get the skills. Like, yeah. Enough, like, I'm sure, I'm sure a guy would be like, great. I'm, I'm just letting <laughs> start swimming. But I knew for myself, if I was mm-hmm. going to stand any kind of a chance of succeeding there, I knew I needed to go do the work. And, mm. and, um, so I did. I went through the whole, pro- like I got myself ready. I did my own show. Like, and that's, then I, and then I did it four years later. That's really great because that's, you know, having, crazy. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's having like the patience with yourself to know that like your mom said, you have a magic or magic yeah. that you want to preserve, but let me go get some professional training and then really express my magic in a way that I feel good and grounded about so that I can protect it more in this environment than I could before. You know, that's really true. I think, you know, and the goal wasn't, I didn't, I actually never thought I would do it, you know, cause yeah. like that, the goal I think was, I knew I wanted to make things. I knew I liked writing things. I thought maybe I'd try to write my own show or whatever, but like when it came around again and I re-auditioned and I had, you know, I remember talking to my mom and we made like a list, the pros and, and, and I had done a bunch of pilots that didn't get picked up. Mm. And I knew Katie Siegel from uh, Sons of Anarchy. And like, oh, yeah. I mean, I just knew her a little bit. I ran into her like she was having like an like a ice cream on the street. And I was debating <laughs> about I realized I was just very scared of a sketch show more mm-hmm. than it wasn't that I thought I was better than it. I, I was just scared that I, I didn't know that I could thrive there. And I sure. was like, you know, and at the time, it's so much different now. But at the time, like if you did sketch you, for a little while, you weren't really like a real actor, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, but I remember her saying like, Arden, it's easier to stay on TV than to get on TV. You just need to get on TV. Just go mm. get on TV. And it was such a, like, I've always be grateful to Mad TV. I think of it almost like, um, it made me like officially a comedian. I started doing stand up again. Like mm. it, it, I think, I think it was almost like going to grad school. It was the yeah. hardest job I've ever had, but I think of it as like four years of grad school. Yeah. And you like got a, a real opportunity to prove yourself in a way. And I'd audition with all these sort of like weirdo, awkward characters and that they didn't want that. Like they, <laughs> th- th- I was a redhead when I did it. They mm-hmm. bought me, they dyed my hair blonde and like wow. they wanted me as like the blonde girl in the party dress and which bummed me out. But then I actually found it kind of like, okay, like, 
can I be funny and not be like weird looking? Do I have mm. to like not be the old lady or like not make myself like, you know, right. can I like, can I worry just like if this is what they want and this is the only airtime I'm going to get, if they're going to put me, can I still be funny and not, you know, and that was actually good for me. Cool. It was uncomfortable because it's not how I thought of myself, but it was a good, it was sort of a gift to force yourself to go, okay, I, I guess I could do that. Yeah. Explore a side that you wouldn't have on your own necessarily. I also wonder to talk, to kind of like lead into your podcast, Will You Accept This Rose, which is about Bachelor Bachelorette. Yeah. I wonder if your experiences when you said like, each week was a new opportunity to start fresh, if yeah. that gives you a more genuine compassion for the people that go on to something like the bachelor or bachelorette. I have so much compassion for anybody on earth. <laughs> I, have, I have a lot of empathy just for the human condition. Truly. I mean, when I say I looked like Barb from stranger things until I was 15, I mean, like that, I have, I have compassion for mankind. Truly. I have so much compassion. I really, truly believe most people are doing the best that they can. Yeah. I so that's why also when people come on my podcast, will you accept this, Rose? Um, I have I I very much am like we don't hate watch it, but we make a lot of jokes about it. But these are real people, right? Uh, you know, it's interesting. I think Instagram has really sort of changed the game there because I think a lot of people now come on just to quit their jobs and become influencers. <laughs> yeah, there's we've had some guests from the, the the series here and they're all doing books and doing their own different lines or podcasts or, or clothings or, or all kinds of things, which is very cool. Um, but they're in what? What season is this for them? Like, 109. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so it does feel like for them, it must be difficult to find a genuine real person that's looking for love. I mean, that, that's why I actually would argue that this, this, so this, uh, do you watch the show? I do watch the show. I haven't watched this season. We just had Kendall Long on an episode uh, not long ago. She's adorable. And we talk, yeah. And we talked a little bit about this season. I watched the first episode, but I don't know what's going on. I know that it was Claire. Now it's Tasha. That's that, that happens tonight. Tonight that happens tonight. That happens okay. tonight. Here's my pitch of why. Here's my pitch of why Claire, while while a little bit batshit, is yeah. a terrific bachelorette because I think because she's 39, mm -hmm. and I think she's had a bunch of tragedies in her life, and I yes. truly believe that this human being could not give two shits about a people magazine cover. She does not want to come sell fab fit fun. She's yes. not looking to sell Tanner. She wants a husband yesterday. And I think she has like a real Cinderella fantasy of like mm. this Prince charming, but she is sort of all alone in the world. And I, so I think she's got like the combo of like the Disney princess fantasy combined with legitimately, she is all alone in the world. And, right. and she's old enough that she's like, I want this yesterday. And that's why I yeah. think she's a fun bachelorette. And it's a perfect amount. Four episodes. And it's a perfect amount. In and out. And then we get the beauty of Tasha, who will be and cool. And she already had a an engagement through yes. the show, right? Yes, I remember seeing whatever there are. Like Olympic or like winter Bachelor games or winter something. games. Yes. Yeah. I saw that. And then, yeah, that they had their reconnection after the show was done or something on the reunion. Ironically, if you watch the first episode, you notice they didn't mention that in her, like this season. Yeah. Completely edited out that the last we saw of her, she had just accepted a ring and was like going off into the sunset with French Canadian Benoit. That's what I thought. That's why I couldn't believe that she was the bachelorette again. And I was like, well, this is going to have to be a real heavy handed storyline of why the other thing didn't work out. But didn't I guess not. That. That's the beauty of the bachelor world. You just if it doesn't <laughs> if you don't mention it, it doesn't exist. And that's now, fine. I'm curious what your thoughts are on that whole franchise about how, where can they go from here? How do they elevate it? Because I think my, I got into it late. Uh, I started watching a few seasons ago. Who was your first? Who was your first season? I think my first season was Rachel, but it okay. was- Great uh, Bachelorette. 
Yeah, but it was like halfway through her season with a bunch of girlfriends that were diehard fans. And so right. I really had no idea what was going on, but I knew it was important because there was a lot of energy in the room about it. Yeah, there was. Yeah. Uh, then I got really into it for a couple seasons. And then Ari's season kind of like, meh. Yeah, he was gross. Yeah. And so I fell off from it. And then I tried to watch Claire this season, but it just felt very repetitive to me, a little flat, I guess. But Maybe start tonight because I think Tasha okay. is smart. Tasha is yeah. a fox. Tasha is fun and doesn't well, serve for fools gladly. Yeah. Yes. I thought, who was she with from Paradise? Didn't she reconnect John, with John Paul Jones? Yeah. 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 JPJ. Yeah. JPJ. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I also started late. I started, I, I truly, I didn't watch The Bachelor. I love, I love a competition reality. I love like a Top Chef, a Project Runway. Yes, same, um, same. Next, I used to watch Top Model. I love Drag Race. I love a great British Bake Off. I love yeah. somebody having to make something in an evening. Yes. So I, I wasn't <laughs> until I've now, I was not a Housewives, a Bachelorette. That wasn't my thing. Mm-hmm. I'm just, garbage but um but so I started watching it like four years when Caitlin season somebody told me to watch it and I was mm. like I have a life I'm not gonna watch it and then I watched <laughs> it and I was like oh my god this is amazing and then I had a fever dream that I needed to start a podcast and talk about it with funny people oh and that's now, great I almost treat it like it's like a sporting event I don't read yeah. anything we do draft picks. Who's drunk on the first night? Who's like going to be the villain? So this yeah. is from a few years ago. We'll do it. We do it from their bios. What season is this? This is. So we have drunk on the first night. We pick the crazy ones. We pick wow. number one. Basically, like who's going to get boned in a hot tub in Acapulco, mm-hmm. but let yeah. go. Um, <laughs> And, and then I like that somebody wrote, like, this is a woman that my friend says has a face on a face. Like, she has a new face. She's got a new face. Do you, okay. Like, some people look like they were probably, like, a natural beauty once, but then they had yes. so, much thing, so many things done that they put a face on a face. Yeah, that's a different face <laughs> yeah, on another face, face. That's a face on a face. So, that's, so I just treat it almost like it's like my... It's like my, I watch football or it's my, yeah. like that's my it's like a gaming season of who's going to go all the way. So I'm curious. It's like going to be like a reboot tonight. Yeah. Are there new guys? Is it just, are they bringing back the guys that Claire cut? Do they have different oh. guys quarantining for Tasha? I think the guys are going to be pretty excited. Like there was a shot yeah. of her coming out of the pool last week where she, it was the equivalent of like Daniel Craig and um, <laughs> she was like literally coming out. Like her bazooms were just yeah. ex- just spectacular <laughs> out of a pool and like a red bikini just booming just yeah booming out of the pool. we are awake and paying yeah. attention we're awake because claire while being a very foxy later he's been so insane and just locked and loaded on this one guy this party city model she fell in love uh. with the party city model <laughs> <laughs> wait is that real is yeah, he, a- she just, he hasn't said that. So again, that's the beauty of hosting a bachelor uh-huh. podcast. I don't go deep diving on anything, but people send me things. But if mm. you Google Google Dale Taco Party City, oh no! So basically, it, I think it says he does something. He's like a former, uh, like a football player, I think. But uh-huh. he, so he's a Party City model. So he does oh. all. <laughs> oh my God. I just tried to Google it and it asked me if I meant Del Taco Party City. Uh, yeah, he does. So here's him. Here's one that's, um, hold on. It's He's dressed as a gladiator <laughs> and Superman and a taco. He does like all their outfits, which by the way, he's a really fun job. I love Party City. I know, I love, I love a party favor. You think I'd be <gasps> mad to date a Party City model? Think no, again. I know. These are people that have jobs. Like I, I've always wondered what these people, how yeah. do they, where do they exist in the real world? He's and a, He's a Party City model. Wow. That's incredible. Somebody's got to be the party. Somebody's got to model that time. The taco's not going to model itself, Grace. <laughs> it's Grace. very true. It's um, very true. Now, I have a question. How has, because like you said, this is a, a show that from the outside seems very trite or trivial or, yes. you know, superficial, whatever. But the Bachelor Nation is yeah. a very devout, almost yes. religious sort of community. Yes, yes. Are you accepted in that community? Are you an enemy of that community? Oh, fully accepted. I'm okay. deep in. I'm okay. deep in. I'm friends with the contestants. <laughs> I'm a super fan. Because I'm also, I'm not a snarky super fan. Like, right. I, 
love it. I love it. I I am like, oh, they come to my holiday parties. I am oh. so deep in. Yeah, so I'm fully accepted. Amazing. Um, they know I could I don't want to know spoilers. I don't want to know. Like I'll hear the gossip afterwards, but I don't yeah. want to know. You're and, a purist. Oh my God. I'm a purist. I love it. <laughs> It is awkward when you've made jokes about people and then they're in your podcast yeah. too. And you're like, hey, hey, no, nice to see ya. you. You remember Carly and Evan? Uh, did you see that Bachelor in Paradise? You would remember. He was the mm. dick doctor and she mm. they called him babies. Okay. Uh-uh. He was the only one that seemed like a little off. He probably listened to a podcast. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yes. Yes. Wow. Okay. That's so wonderful. Okay. We have to take one last break. When we get back, I have a couple internet questions for you. So Great. we'll be right back with more Not but- Too Deep. And before we get into these internet questions, I'm going to ask you the two questions. Ask every single guest that is on the podcast. The first is, who, alive or dead, would you most like to throw cold spaghetti at? Thank you for asking. I've thought about this. I've thought about it. I thought in advance. Okay. Because it's cold spaghetti, that feels personal. Like as much as I would love to say like some awful historical figure. Right. If I'm very honest... It's a former coworker of mine that was my friend who oh. I realized was working against me the whole time. And that was the most hurtful. Like I felt so betrayed. Wow. I think that so I feel like cold spaghetti is like a personal yeah. affront. Like like that, that that's the specific thing. It's not gonna hurt anybody. No. Wipe it off. It'll probably actually wash off. Like it's probably yeah. not even gonna permanently ruin your shirt. Mm-hmm. So like, but the satisfaction of throwing cold spaghetti, I think that's somebody that's really hurt your feelings. Yeah, I thought it out. I like that because it does feel like you're throwing a bit of shame on them. And it's like, you hurt my feelings. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, who is your answer? Is yours a personal hurt? Oh, mine's like every day someone different because I also think that it's... um, it can be a celebratory thing. I think it oh. can be like a fun thing. Like, and a, there, like a Gatorade. Like we want the yeah. game. Here's a cold spaghetti. Yeah. And so there's part of me that like really would love to see Pete Buttigieg have like a cold oh, spaghetti moment. Fun. But like in like a him. in like a sassy, loving way. That's fun for him. I like that for him. <laughs> yeah. Great. Okay. The other question I ask every single guest is to tell us your worst pants shitting story or a close call, but you can only use three words or three small phrases. So mine is college jogging front lawn. Okay. That is very similar to yours. Mine is coffee (laughs) jogging (laughs) neighbor's lawn. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a tough one. Neighbor's lawn. Twice. (laughs) Two neighbors. Really uh, marking your territory. Twice. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Fool yeah. me once. <laughs> Fool me once. One of them was almost like a, I was like, you know what? I've already done it on this lawn. The second <laughs> one was like, you know what? Fuck them. Let's go to this lawn. Let's spread the wealth a yeah. little bit here. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's get into some of these internet questions for you. Um, this is a little bit opposite of what you just told us via the spaghetti question. But Love it. who is the nicest comedian that you have ever worked with? Oh, I love that. I love, he's a rascal, but his heart is huge. Mm -hmm. I love Bobby Lee. I love Bobby Lee. (laughs) He can't keep a secret. (laughs) He he, is a little messy. He is a complete imp. Like he (laughs) he is like, he is truly like a little sprite that is like, but he means no evil like his heart is pure and he's such he's just such a little rascal but he (laughs) but his heart is huge so I would say Bobby Lee Uh, I also love Lauren Lopkiss oh yeah well okay here's a question about that Someone asked, Arden, I love your friendship with Lauren Lapkus. How did you two meet? We love each other. We text all day, every day. <laughs> it's interesting in the pandemic, like who fades away? Like right. some of my favorite people. It's like, well, I'll see you in 2023. <laughs> I guess. You don't know who we like. For whatever reason, 
I love Lauren so much. How did we meet? She did my podcast a few times. I don't even know. But then we started having a monthly dinner date with Brian Sophie. We would do, we would have a dinner and like we would rotate. We would go to a new restaurant each time and one person would pay for it. And then we'd rotate and that person would just get to, um, just we would rotate who paid in the restaurant. And then because I really just liked both of them. And I felt like it was like there are two people that I actually like courted as friends. Yeah. Like that I thought I was like, I want to be their friend. And yeah. then and then Lauren came to my hometown. She came to the little Compton, sort of Brian. And then Lauren and I went to New York. And then it's just again, you never know in life. Like sometimes you'll have a friend lunch with somebody and it doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> sure. Like, and also like making friends as an adult is sometimes awkward and weird (laughs) when you moved i found la even more new york i new york i hit my stride pretty quickly yeah la it took me a while to find my girlfriend Mm -hmm. and then some awkward friendship like (laughs) would you like to have a meal like 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 courting courting your female friends as yeah. an adult. and then it's, when you're not in the confines of like your work structure like so say you meet on a job and then that job ends do you right. have anything to talk about like you don't know if you can transition without like oh brian in uh right. you know wardrobe like you know like <laughs> right and then you're like do you still want to talk to me after this linking thing that we have in common is gone like how do we and most people no they don't they don't yeah. want to talk to you <laughs> Most people is like most people are camp friends. You think yeah. we're gonna have this? You know, we're never gonna remember. Like it's always gonna be camp, camp, yeah. whatever, forever. And it's like not really. You can't transition to your winter school friends. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I feel like you're lucky. I feel like you're lucky if you truly make one real new friend a year. I try to make one yeah. new friend a year. Oh, that's a good thing it's to think hard. about. It's hard. It's- it's very hard. And like you said, in pandemic, you really find out like who does want to keep talking to you and like who is totally okay with not knowing your life for eight months. And it's tiring. <laughs> Everybody's exhausted. Let's yeah. be real. Everybody's like, Ooh, this is a lot. Like this, uh-huh. year, this year is a garbage fire. Like, yeah. we're all just, like it's literally all like everybody just sits their turtle shell. And just yes. Chat. And so, and there's, like you said, compassion and forgiveness of everyone's handling things in their own way. Pandemic pass. You get a pandemic pass. A hundred percent. You also don't know in life who you're going to keep as a friend. Like you just don't, I wouldn't have guessed my friend who wrote my forward, Debbie Ryan, the star of Insatiable. We did Insatiable together. Little did I know that this former Disney star would be one of my best friends. She came to Little Compton too. She came with me and Brian and Lauren. Like I talked to her all the time during the pandemic. You just... You, you never, never know. know who your pal's going to be. You just True. don't know. You, I would never have guessed that of everybody on that show, <laughs> that that young lady would be like, that's my friend. That's Sometimes, my friend, ride or day. No rain shall fall on Debbie Ryan. You, uh, Yeah, you can't deny a kindred spirit, though. We have, we are definitely spirit animals. She, she's also a rascal. She's a rascal. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Uh, okay, someone wants to know, what's your favorite Bachelor or Bachelorette moment? That might be a difficult question. Oh, gosh. I mean, my favorite Bachelorette, uh-huh. period. My favorite Bachelorette was Caitlin. I thought that she was, she had a sense of humor. She was mm-hmm. fun. She was a full rascal. Um, the first thing that came to mind, although I got sick of Chad by the end, because he actually felt like a dangerous psychopath, mm. but... I did enjoy when he had the double date, the two on one with Alex, the Marine. And they're in those, the awful woods whistling in the woods when he just turned to him and he was like, you don't like milk, man. You should like milk. Milk's delicious. And he goes, well, life ain't all blueberries and paper planes. And I thought, you're a true psychopath. And guess what? That gentleman now, if you look up Chad Johnson, Uh he literally is doing... What is that porn site? Like that popular, like porn OnlyFans. OnlyFans. He's yeah. doing OnlyFans, and he has like wow. a he has like a Hummer, and they'll be like, "Hey, Chris Harrison, guess what? I just fucked in front of your house." Like he's <gasps> like parks his Hummer and films himself fucking in front of his enemy's house. It's incredible. That's incredible. That's such a great that he actually thought it out, got the Hummer, actually 
it's funny. He is actually executing it. And he'll be like, I'm fucking just like your new. He did it in front of Jojo and Jordan Rogers house. He's like, your new home has been tainted. Every time you walk through the door, think of me fucking on your doorstep. Wow. Out of your gym. You're crazy. That's like next level villain status. Right. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to encourage him. I don't want him to come do it in front of my house, but I, but I respect if he could just take it from an 11 to like a seven and a half. Yeah. I think he's actually legitimately dangerous. Like I think he's, I think he's, I don't, I don't go too deep diving on him. I actually think he's a bad thing. So let me just also say, I'm not supporting this man in the least. Right. I just would like to say, I enjoyed the blueberry and people playing. And I I think it is insane that any human thought, his equivalent of throwing cold spaghetti is parking like an American flag shaped bummer oh. and doing it to taint your household. <laughs> there is so much to unpack yeah. in that. Yeah. That is so wild. It's, it's when people actually execute it. It's like yeah. beyond coming up with it that they didn't stop themselves, that they paid the money to do it. Oh my God. Yeah. It, there's so many <laughs> um, decisions that had to be thought of and said yes to and done. Yeah. To get to that point. Well, there, and there was never a point where it's the equivalent of like road trip. We're going to right. Vegas. There's never a point where you're like, all right, I'm tired. Maybe I should stop. Yeah. Like we didn't get to Vegas yet. Maybe I should go back to Bakersfield. Like there's no point where it it's such a long distance journey that yeah. there's so many points along the way where you could easily give up on your dream of executing this. Yeah. There's like something dangerous about his ability to focus his rage in such a specific way. Yeah. That is a little, uh, a little I feel badly even giving a psychopath this much airtime. <laughs> I wish he didn't have like, it's, his criminal mind is yeah is on another seen, level i've never seen anything like it i don't i don't need another one like him. i don't like an actual scary person on my show but i no. did it, but i did enjoy that moment uh, i'll stick to the party city model level oh of taco dale taco <laughs> dale are you kidding me it's like uh, make him perfect and he can't be so perfect that he, you know that he's at least a party center taco, taco oh, model. I love it. Okay. Yeah. Arden, I could talk to you for 17 hours, but here's the last question for you that I'm sure you've answered um, probably many times. But if you could plan a full date on The Bachelor or Bachelorette, what oh would you be? What would you plan? How would it oh go? God, nobody's asked me that. I always really? ask people. No, people always ask me. I ask people what they would wear getting out of the limo. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. I met, I would, I always panic. I know I would panic. Mm. I would, I would do like, I would be bad. I would do like a mullet dress because I'd want to show my legs in the front. But then I'm like, I still want it to be formal. So I'd probably do like a hot pink. I'd want it to pop. So it'd be like a hot pink mullet dress. It would not, it would be misguided. It wouldn't be sexy. Uh, I, would, I, th- I, I thought you were saying misguided the clothing company. I misguided <laughs> yeah. the company. Hashtag FabFitFun backslash Arden at misguided. What would you wear out of the limo? I would go straight sweatpants and like t-shirt and just be like this is the reality of what I'm about. That's this what is, Lauren Lapka said. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. This yeah. is, I wouldn't want to, I would really try my best to not wear a dress the entire time I was there. <laughs> lower the, lower, manage the expectations. Yeah. Okay. My dream date. First of all, I want to be in like a castle in Ireland or something. I want to be okay. somewhere exotic. So I want to be it. overseas. So I've made it to like, I've made it to Thailand. I've made it. I'm, I'm on. I'm like in the final four or five. Okay. Okay. We're not at fantasy suites yet. Cause I don't, I'm not ready to go get, I don't want to go get herpes from somebody, no. <laughs> but we can like dry hump. Okay. Yeah. So like the equivalent of like, I want you, I want to be past the no name band. I want to be mm-hmm. past that brand where they're like, I was so happy when Tennille Art showed up. Like I want it to be like, I remember back in the day they had the cranberries played. I want them to dust yeah. off somebody cool. Yes. Back in the, give me somebody cool from like, like you two played. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like somebody from like my, that would thrill me from like, like the Dave Matthews band. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but like, I remember like losing my virginity to this. Like, okay, great. So there's Dave Matthews. Okay. And then, I guess I would go cold weather because I don't want to have to wear a bikini. So I guess I would go like, I've got like a cocoa or like I'm walking around the city, like some cute northern city so I can be bundled in a (laughs) scarf. We like sample some like scotch or something. And then... I need fireworks. I need like yes. a helicopter ride. Yes. I need, I need at the very end, there's Dave Matthews. 
And then I want to get like dry humped against a wall in an alleyway with like cobblestones <laughs> underneath me. Like I want to be so grinded against a wall that I like that I actually want to go get herpes. Like I got grinded for four hours against a wall by some like party city model. And I am so hot for the real thing because there was Matthews and there was a cobblestone and that taco was just getting at it. And I needed it. And like, but I got to wear like a hood and like bars. <laughs> I had like a muff on, and like that's what I would do because I didn't have to wear like a tankini and like suck it in. And be like, sorry, oh. I, have, I have big boobs, but they're heavy and low. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's I what do. I would want. Like, give me like a nanook of the north gets dry humped in an alley. Yeah, and you know, when you're wearing that many layers, you really have to work for that dry humping. Yeah, it's like definitely like a jean situation. Like, like a college or a high school denim jean is like yeah. kind of hurts. It's like hurting your pubic bone because he's clearly in a taco costume. <laughs> For warmth. So like, it's definitely hurting, but you're like, but he's dead, but he's in some kind of like cowl neck sweater that's terrible. Oh. Some stylist has put him in and he's oh. just, you're in like a high heel booty that you like can run around Dublin in, even though you're in a high heel booty. And what's it's your, just what's slow dissolves. Day? What's your dream game? Wow. Oh man. I it's feel like, hard to beat that one. Be I know. That that's one. so good. I feel like my mind goes to like medieval times Great. or something love like that, that I which I that. feel like they've done stuff like like that no, on that show no. really yeah uh yeah see i would want to go to like something like a dave matthews but like yes. performance wise yes. so there's like something else to take the attention and the sound away from all of the grinding that goes on you don't want to have to like slow dance in front of a crowd of women that are filming on their iphones <laughs> yeah you're, just, you're standing oh. on a raised platform slow dancing alone in front of a crowd of like housewives oh. that are filming you and like, you're like, I don't even like slow dancing with my boyfriend at like weddings. So like the slow dance on television is like the worst punishment someone could have to do. And slow dance with like a height difference. I'm not a tall gal. I'm not a tall. You're a tall gal. I remember meeting you at at midnight. I'm like, that's a beautiful tall gal. She's a tall drink of water. Oh, thank you. I'm a tall lady. So I, uh, I wouldn't want to wear heels or do any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Slow dance. That's a better slow dance than like. This. Yeah, but see, I would just hate. I I would opt out of the slow dancing situation too. I'd probably be like, "Do you want to get high and watch Alone on the History Channel? It's a really cool survivalist competition show." But I would only do that if you were dressed as an NBC page. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Question. I love it. What is Alone? Oh, Alone is another competition show, but it's about survivalists that like I'm, live outside and they try to outlast each other in the wilderness by themselves. I mean, I love Naked and Afraid. Yeah, it's a little different because they are alone, but and it's clothed. Uh, and clothed. But they're so good at building shelters and surviving and something about uh, watching it, knowing I don't want to ever do anything yeah. like that is very pleasant. It's like kind of a nice show to have on in the background. There's a lot of hunting and a lot of like showing animals and all that kind of stuff that sure, I'm not sure, into. Sure. What channel is this on? The History Channel. My boyfriend I mean, look, and I just got into it. It's a good bingeable show in look, if you got time. I love me. I love me a deadliest catch. I like an outdoor yeah. show. Yeah. I will say this. Have you ever watched Naked and Afraid? I watched some. Yeah. Did you that ever is watch wild. One, did you ever watch the first season? There was a, I believe he was a former Marine. He was a ginger. And I say this as a real life ginger. He was a yeah. redheaded gentleman. He was down near the like equator. So he was like some island close to the equator. Uh-huh. He got, he was so sexist. And then he immediately got so sunburned that all of his <laughs> skin and shoulders, it was like peeling off. And then he drank the water and then he was such a dick, but then he did a, like a circle of diarrhea around the hut and the bed that they, do you remember? Oh my, no, I never watched the first season. Oh my you God. You're so a favorite and just like kind of click through and look for the ginger guy, the, the oh. ginger that got sunburned and, and like made a trail of diarrhea around their sleeping quarters. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> do That's, yourself a favor grace you need I that will. you need this I'm in 2020 it's your pandemic past grace i'm making a note thank you for that please um, arden this has been so fun thank you my, so much for this my, conversation my only regret is i didn't i didn't purchase and wear an nbc page outfit i, I didn't know. wish 
next time. Um, where That's can- my cosplay. That's my cosplay at look. <laughs> yeah. Oh, before we wrap up, I almost forgot. Um, every guest that is on the show gets a personalized fortune cookie from us to you. So I believe Melissa has emailed you a digital it. fortune cookie. Melissa is on it. Yes, honey. <laughs> yes, honey. Yes, Melissa. Excuse you. Excuse you for nailing it so hard. There she is. We clicked on a digital tarot card for you and it was the wheel of fortune. And it just said, no, please decipher that how you will. Well, that feels terrible. <laughs> you guys just want to curse on me? Well, maybe it's, a, maybe it's a good sign that you don't need fortune. You have so much goodness in your life already. Maybe it was like, don't go work with Pat Sajak. Yeah, that no. too. No, 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 no means not- no Pat Sajak. <laughs> Uh, Arden, where can people get the book? Where can they see everything that you're up to if they don't already know? You guys got the book. Just get the book. It's so fun. It's a fast read. There's pictures in it. If you Mm -hmm. want a signed copy of the book, and if there might be a few left with a free custom Little Miss Little Compton tote bag, which is hell yeah, uh, you can go to Arden Marine Book. Don't kid yourself. That looks like Arden Myron book. It's A R D E N M Y R I N book.com. I also host Will You Accept This Rose on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as Arda Marine, M Y R I N. Great. Awesome. This was so fun. Like I said, come back, talk to us. We could talk for hours and hours and hours, deep dive into <laughs> all of it. The feeling is mutual. And if you do, Watch Tasha. Yeah. Oh, Let I me will. Know. Let me okay. know if you want to come play with us because it's the most fun thing you'll ever do. Oh, I can't wait. I will for sure let you know because I have run out of so much alone to watch. So I need to Great. move on. Um, thank you again, Arden, so much, guys. Go get the book. Go follow everything she's up to. She's just incredibly lovely and hilarious. And you won't regret seeing everything that she's doing. And we'll see you guys next time on another episode of Not Too Deep. Goodbye. Too deep, too deep, too deep, not too deep with Grace Helbig. Not Too Deep is a production of Grace Helbig Incorporated, producer Melissa D. Montz, edited by Shireen Lani Yunus, post-production sound by Chris Henry, and an extra special thanks to Flula for the theme music. <laughs> <laughs>